right there. So uh, 44 people over three weeks at the three campuses uh, were baptized. And again, they've placed their faith in Christ and then demonstrated that um, through going through baptism. And uh, I don't know if you noticed down in Tiffin, they were having a difficult time. They don't have built-in baptistries like we do. And uh, so they had to go get a, a kettle trough. And uh, they couldn't get people to go forward like we traditionally do, so they were doing the, kind of the traditional way of going backwards. So uh, kind of interesting. And now if you notice, but AJ was in a gray shirt or something like that. Then the last one, he was in his T-shirt. So I don't know if he got real sweaty, like <laughs> working overtime, and thought he better get a... You can go ahead and laugh. It's, it's okay. You guys are... Again, uh, so yeah, 44 people, which, again, we're in this, this time of COVID-ness, right? And, and yet we still see people coming to Christ. I think I told you guys this, Tiffin had like 12 or 13 people accept Christ through their Connect class uh, and their Fuse ministry a couple weeks ago. So it's just really, really cool to see, thanking the Lord for that. And uh, we'll continue on. So again, uh, great to have Sunny up here leading us. She's going to be here for a couple more weeks. And um, thanking the Lord for the fact that we found a music guy. Uh, yep. <clears throat> so that was fast, and we thank the Lord for that. There's not going to be too much of a, uh, a lag. Uh, Dave and Sarah, they uh, will be getting married on August 10th, and then go on their honeymoon, come back to Virginia where, they're, where they live, attend another uh, wedding, and then drive up on the 23rd. He'll be in the office on the 25th and leading music on the 30th. So uh, we're excited about that. Looking forward to having Dave and Sarah uh, be a part of what we're doing here. Uh, neat, neat couple. And uh, when you talk to them, I think you might see one or two other people in your life uh, that have been up here. Uh, it's kind of interesting. When I'm, when I'm talking with the guy, he kind of reminds me of a couple other people that have led music up here. So um, should be good. Totally different voice, by the way, than um, Caleb's. Just saying, just a totally different voice. Um, he sounds like he's on helium. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but I will say that at the 1030 service, because if Dave's listening, he'll get a kick out of that one. Anyways, he's, he's kind of sarcastic, so we appreciate this guy. Uh, we spent, uh, he was up there a couple weeks ago for an interview, and uh, then we brought him over to our house for dinner. The kids were up. We had him, so we're really trying to schmooze this guy. And uh, so then Kim made some Chicago-style stuffed pizza. Uh, we sat around and talked till after nine o'clock at night, and uh, it was a good time. So I'm looking forward to what God has for all of us uh, and for them. Well, today we're um, we're going to be looking at a belief that actually we're we were going to look at a belief, uh, but I kind of changed things up, which is my prerogative to do. But we were going to look at this idea that there's many ways to God. But I, I think there's, a, there's an underlying belief uh, that we need to look at that, that's kinda, that underlies this one. Okay? And so that's, this is what we're going to actually talk about today. I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. And so I, I think, to me, that seems to be what um, lies under this idea that there's many ways to God, because ultimately people are basically saying, believe what you want to believe, just be a good person. And if I'm a good person, God's going to let me to heaven. As long as I'm not a jerk to people, not intentionally trying to hurt people, if I'm just kind of doing life and trying to be a good person, 
I'm going to get to heaven. And it seems to make sense because when you look at all the other world religions and even non-religious beliefs, even humanism, which believes there is no God and it's all about man, would say you need to be good. So this good thing seems to be what gets us into heaven. But, but here's the question, is it true? Well, before I answer that, I just want to uh, have a couple, talk to a couple different people um, that are here this morning. Uh, not individuals, just groups of people. So there's potentially people in this service and in the 1030 service who have never placed their faith in Christ. Okay, so I want to talk to you real quick. Uh, we talked about, we call it salvation, and we talked about salvation last week pretty, and we talked about it, it was pretty hard, hard-hitting, pretty challenging. I'm going to do that again today, maybe not as hard-hitting and challenging as it was last week, but I'm going to do that again. And, and I don't want to, I'm, I'm not doing that to beat you over the head. I'm doing it because your eternity is, is at stake. And your eternity can only be um, secured or made certain through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches, that's what we believe. And again, it's a decision that you're going to have to make. If you have already made a decision, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then I want to, I want to challenge you with a, a few things. Okay, because you could be thinking, okay, well, this is not really for me, so I'm going to check out, you know, look on Facebook, you know, look on uh, some recipe page or, you know, a car, you know, I like cars, so I'm going to go up on Craigslist and, and look for a car during the message. But as a Christian, number one, you should be praying that if there is anybody in our service who doesn't know Christ, that this message would get through to them. So that's number one that you need to be doing. Number two, you need to be taking this podcast or the Facebook post that we put up and you need to be sharing it to your friends. And then the third thing is you need to be taking notes. You need to be able to take what we talk about on Sunday mornings and then put it into your own words so you're ready to respond to people who need Christ in your life, who are going to ask you questions. Because when you answer their questions... It's going to be more impactful in their life than if you wait around to somehow get them here to church or I somehow talk to them. Your friends don't know me. They know you. Which should be a positive, not a negative, right? They know you. So you need to be taking notes. Okay, how, Lord, how do I make this information my own and bring it to those who need Christ? So does God let you into heaven as long as as you're a good person, or at least as long as you're not a really bad person, is the question we're going to kind of look at tonight. And if we compare ourselves to others, that may seem true, but the problem is God makes a decision, and really what we need to be doing is comparing ourselves to God, which is actually perfection. Here's what God tells us uh, in James. James, the brother of Jesus Christ, by the way, says, for whoever keeps the whole law... So in other words, whoever can, if you can keep the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, breaks the law in one area of the law one time, he has become guilty of the whole law. So that's, that's what God's Word says when it comes to this being good. So I thought what we'd do, the Old Testament has 613 laws, but the Ten Commandments are kind of a summary or a foundational 
beginning for all those 613 laws. So, and some of you might be familiar with this, but what I'd like to do is to take the, the Ten Commandment test and see how we're doing. Because if, if we can keep the Ten Commandments perfectly, then we will have fulfilled the law, and we don't have to worry about this offending in one point. So let's just, let's just all take this test, right? And you don't have to give your answers out loud. This is between you and yourself, and maybe if you have notes or whatever. So here, I've kind of written them in such a way that we might make it a little bit easier this morning. So, I've only ever worshipped God. So that's commandment number one, not have any other God before you, right? So I've only ever worshipped God. So in other words, you and I, if we're taking this test, we have to ask the question, have I ever put something or someone else above God in my life? Now, real quick answer, we all have. Why? Because we've all sinned. And anytime we sin, we're saying, I want to do what I want to do as opposed to what God wants me to do. Therefore, I'm worshiping self. All right? I've never created or worshiped an idol. And so we're all saying, yeah, I've never you know, sat down with some clay or some wood and carved out this little Buddha. You know, some people thought for a while that I might have been a walking Buddha, but that's not the case. It's a physical representation of, of what you worship. And again, if, if we've sinned, which we have, all of us, then our idol has become us. So, again, but you have to decide whether you've done this stuff. I'm, I'm just speaking for myself. I've never taken God's name in vain. Ever. But what does that mean? Well, name uh, has two ideas to it. Both are true. One, a name means character. So when we talk about the name of God, we're speaking about his character, who he is as a person. But it's also an identifier. Okay? You know, which God is it? Well, it's the God of the Bible. It's Jesus Christ, or it's the Holy Spirit. So it's kind of like this. My name is Harold Bierga. Hello. And um, so my name has, is an identifier. Which Bierga am I? Harold. All right. But it also has kind of a character side to it. My first name, Harold, means leader of many armies. My last name, Bierga, means uh, bedrock or strength. And it's in Norway, they have the fjords, right? And you have the mountains that come out of the fjords. The part of the mountain that's below the, the water level is a bjerg. So it's this foundational strength. So my parents wanted me to grow up to be somebody who's strong and who leads many armies, a leader. Now, I don't know if that's happened in my life. I know I've been around different places a lot, but never taking God's name in vain. Vain means to... Um, to make something worthless or to um, disrespect it, to say something that's kind of untrue about it. So what do you mean here? Well, a couple things. Anytime we say, OMG, or write it, and I don't mean gosh, or anytime we say, GD, or anytime we say, JC, and again, I'm not saying them, <laughs> But I think you guys are all getting in your heads what I'm getting at, right? Anytime we take God's name and we lessen it, we bring it down to our level, we don't keep it respected. We've used his name in vain. But also, anytime we've said something, thought something, wrote something that's not true of who God is, God doesn't love me. God can't use me. God won't answer my prayers. That's taking God's name in vain. 
Have we ever taken God's name in vain? I've never worked on the Sabbath. So that's kind of easy for us now. Uh, we look at Sunday as our Sabbath. It's when we meet together as a, as a church family. But Romans 14 tells us that you know, one person considers one day a Sabbath, another person thinks another day is a Sabbath. And so the point is, have a, sa- have a Sabbath sometime during the week. See, I work on Sundays. And so, and it's not just in the morning. A lot of times I do like marriage counseling in the afternoons. And so I work on Sunday. So I need to find another day, which is typically Monday, where I kind of I don't do my normal work and I focus on God. So I've, I've never worked on a Sabbath or the day that I've choose to be my Sabbath. I've always honored my father and mother. <clears throat> Moving on. I've never murdered anyone. So I'm really, when I was going there, I'm really hoping that we all get this one, right? You've never murdered anybody. You've never premeditatedly killed somebody. Good. I've never committed adultery. I've never had sexual relationship with somebody who is not my wife outside of marriage. I've never stolen anything. I've never lied to or about my neighbor. And a neighbor, not necessarily your next door neighbor. Anybody you come in contact with is your neighbor. And I've never wanted something my neighbor has. So I'm driving down the street. Guy comes driving by. I saw it the other day. A canary yellow 72 vet. There's somebody who lives in Northwest Ohio who has my car. I mean, has a car that I really like and I'm not lusting after it. Um, you never wanted something your neighbor has. You never looked over at your neighbor or somebody who had something you're like, man, I wish I had that. Oh, that would be awesome to have. If I only had that. So anybody get a perfect score? Don't raise your hand. Anybody? Little red marks, check marks, or green marks? How's it going? So everyone has probably broken all of these, but maybe two you haven't. Right? So maybe you haven't murdered somebody, and maybe you haven't committed adultery. So let's just say, for the sake of argument, God says, hey, 20% is good. If you, if, you, if you can make sure you don't do two of these things, then I'll let you into heaven. So let's see what Jesus has to say about these two. So now Jesus is God, right? Jesus is the Word. Jesus wrote the commandments. All right? So he says this about murder, the premeditated killing of another person. But then Jesus clarifies this in Matthew chapter 5. He says, You have heard that the ancients, or the Old Testament people, were told you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever, sells, whoever says, you fool, which uh, the Greek word there, we get our word moron from it, all right, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. So, question, have you ever been exasperated, thought someone was worthless, or called them a fool? Because Jesus is saying, if you have, then you're guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Now, just a little FYI, on the way here, Sarah and I were driving over, and I was coming down 
Williston Road here, and some guy was right on my tail, but I knew I had to turn into church, so I put my blinker on early enough for him. But he didn't seem to care about my blinker and continued to ride my tail. And I said, I cannot believe that guy. Unbelievable. And I looked at, Kent, <laughs> looked at Sarah and I said, but I didn't call him a fool, so I'm good to go. <laughs> she was what? I said, well, you have to listen to the message. I'm talking about that. So if somebody cuts you off, you jerk. It's enough to send you to the fiery hell. Jesus, God the Son, is telling us that. Ouch. Well, how about this one? <clears throat> Never committed adultery. Jesus clarifies this. And just let me just say, uh, ladies, you may be thinking, oh, this is to men. He's speaking to men because back then there was kind of a thought, you know, that women didn't necessarily do all this kind of stuff in the culture, but Jesus is also saying men take the leadership in this, okay? So ladies, this applies to you as well. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman or a man with lust for her or him, he has already committed adultery with her or him in his heart. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out, throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off, throw it from you, which would be with your left hand. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So you ever looked at a woman or a man and wondered, I wonder what it would be like to be with that person in an intimate way. You ever looked at somebody of the opposite sex and, and I have to say it, or someone of the same sex today, right? And thought, hmm, might be better than what I have. That's enough for us to be thrown into a fiery hell. So how do you do now? Did you, were you able to mark those? If we're human, and, and if we're honest with ourselves, we've probably disobeyed most, if not all, of the Ten Commandments. And according to James Moving on into verse 11, for whoever keeps the whole law, so this is verse 10, and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. For he who said, who said it, God, do not commit adultery, also said do not commit murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. His point is, if, and Jesus clarifies for us, if we even thought about these things, they've entered into our mind once in our life, We're guilty of the entire law. Why is this? Because sin, disobedience, is an issue of the heart. It's not a, an issue of what's going on outside of us. God looks at our hearts. Jesus said this in Matthew 15, For out of the heart, what motivates our actions of sin is a heart of sin for out of our heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications. So now he's expanding on the sins, by the way, not just the Ten Commandments. Fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile a man. The things that come out of us because of what's going on in our heart. 
the sin that's in our heart. Our hearts are the issue. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. They're, they're desperately wicked. They're sick. They'll lead us away from God. All other religions deal with man on a physical level. You do certain things, you'll be okay with God. The problem is God looks at the heart. We might be able to change our behaviors for a period of time, but we can't ever fix the heart. We can't change our heart. Jesus is the one, as God, who can penetrate to the level of our heart to change our spiritual lives. Think of it this way. This is a pretty easy illustration, I think. If you have a heart problem to the point that you need to have surgery, which spiritually we all do, but you're physical, physically you need to have heart surgery, have you ever performed it on yourself? Even heart doctors don't perform heart surgery on themselves because it doesn't work. You need to have somebody from the outside who knows what they're doing fix it. It's the same thing spiritually, but even more serious. We need to have somebody from the outside, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can do that. So whether it's, there are many ways to God or this underlying belief that I just need to be good enough, at least not as much of a jerk as maybe I'd like to be, but God will let me in if I'm good, is why Jesus says this in John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, as they're talking about these things, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He is the way. He isn't just a way. He's not one of many options to God. He is the way. Way means road or mode or means. The only way we get to God is through Jesus Christ. He is the means by which we get to God. It's on His back, if you want to put it that way, that we get into God's presence, that we have a relationship with Him in eternity in heaven. And here's why. Because Jesus is God. Basically, Jesus is saying that the way you get into God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is through me, God the Son. And again, makes perfect sense if our issue is our heart in the spiritual thing. Jesus isn't a truth. He's not one of the many different options that are out there, many different religious teachers that are out there. He's not one of many truths. He is the truth. The Greek word there means truth. <laughs> Just thought it'd blow your mind with that one as opposed to being a lie. Everything else that anybody teaches as it pertains to what it means to be able to be in God's presence is a lie. Because Jesus is not just true, a truth, He is the truth. And if you want to know what's true about life, about how to live life, about death, about eternity, about who God is, you need to look at, listen to, and believe in Jesus. And last, Jesus isn't a life. He is the life. He is a spiritual life giver. 
Scripture tells us that He's given us His life. He is our life. We find spiritual life in Him. However you want to phrase it, without Christ, we are nothing. He gives us Himself. He is the only heart surgeon that can penetrate to the spiritual level to repair the broken heart that we have and give us new life in order to have a relationship with God. No one comes into the Father's presence except through Jesus. So, what are the takeaways today? Well, first one, and last week I kind of bailed on this, but, but I'm not going to this week. <laughs> if you're not a Christian, if, if you've never placed your faith in Christ, if, um, if you've been even attending church for long periods of time in your life, and you thought, you know, hey, this is all good stuff. It's kind of what we talked about last week. You know, I like hanging out at church. I like the music. It's encouraging. I leave pumped up a little bit. You know, I like listening to Pastor Harold talk. It's kind of funny. And, uh, you know, so I kind of like it. And believe me, I, I've grown up in church. I know a bunch of people who've, who I grew up with who now have just turned on God. They were never a Christian in the first place. And so I get it that even at a church of our size, there'll be people that are possibly like that. So here's a question that you have to ask. An answer. Why would God go through the hassle, the pain of the cross, if you could get to heaven some other way? I mean, we, at some point, you have to stop and think. And you, have to, you have to think through this logically. I mean, logically speaking, if, if there was a bunch of different ways to God, if, if we just had to be good people, why in the world would there even be a religion that would teach that there would be a God who would put on flesh, live 33 years here on earth, and die a horrific death. There's no logical reason to do that. Because if you teach that religion, by the way, which is what the Bible teaches, you have no power over people. But if you teach that good works get you, man, you have so much power, because then you as a leader in that religion can determine what's good and what's bad, and you can move people the way you want them. So, logically speaking, the, the religion of the Bible, the relationship with Christ, makes no sense. It's, it's illogical when it comes to how... But, the truth is, that's what God did. Look at what Romans says. Romans chapter 3. I have a lot of yellow up there, so bear with me. It says this now, Apart from the law, right? We just got done talking about the Ten Commandments. So apart from the law, take the law and just set it over here. Ten Commandments. All the fact that none of us could actually do any of the Ten Commandments. Put it over there, okay? Put it out of your mind. The righteousness of God has been manifested. It's been shown to us. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, the Old Testament law that we just set over there, and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. We need the righteousness of God to be given to us because we have none of our own. Because we're all sinners. And so God wants to give us His righteousness. How do we get it? Through faith in Jesus Christ 
by believing, by putting our, entrusting ourselves into God's hands. For there is no distinction. There's no distinction. Why? Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. Fall short of the glory of God. We're, none of us are perfect. We've all fallen short of it. Being justified, declared by God to be not guilty of our sins, as a gift, we know what a gift is, right? By His grace, through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, buying us back through Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly on a cross, I love this word, as a propitiation. Can you say that? Propitiation. Now, if you want, throw a little English accent to it, you'll sound very, very smart. The propitiation. <laughs> okay. So a propitiation or a substitute in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness. Man, it keeps coming up. At the present time, so that he would be just. God has to, we talked about this last week, right? God has to judge sin. He's a good judge. All good judges pass sentence on people who have done wrong things. God is a good judge. He's going to pass sentence on all those who, have, who are going to be, remain in their sin. So he's, he'll be just and a justifier. He'll be able to clear people not guilty. Why? Because he's going to go ahead, because he's God, he can do this. He's going to take our sin and he's going to put it on Jesus. Why? It's a gift. It's, he loves us. He's going to put it on Jesus. So you'd be a justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The one who took your punishment. That's how you get to God. We can't do this of ourselves. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like everybody to just close your eyes and bow your head. Again, if you've made this decision already, you need to be praying for people here in the auditorium or people here who will be listening on the podcast or Facebook or people in your life who you're going to be sharing this with. You need to be praying for them. But if you're here this morning, and I'm not taking anything for granted, that all of you have placed your faith in Christ, some of you may think you have because you've been good, I'm going to pray this prayer. And, and I'm... I'm going to encourage you, if you've never nailed this down, that you simply pray a prayer similar to this. It's not the prayer that saves you, it's your heart to God's heart. But let's make today the day, let's nail it down. So just pray something along these lines. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm not good enough to be able to get to your presence, to have a relationship with you. But I know and I believe, putting my full weight of trust on you, when you say Jesus died for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone for my forgiveness and relationship with you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Just keep your eyes closed. If there is anybody this morning that's that's prayed that prayer. Just go ahead and shoot your hand up real quick and hold it up. You know, I don't want to take any, um, just assume anything. Okay? If you have, just 
your hand up and put it back down. Okay, you can go ahead and open up your eyes. So let me just close with this, and that's to you who are Christians. It's a simple question. Who in your life needs to hear God's message of forgiveness? Talked about this last week, and I know uh, I've heard of some people who've had conversations with family members. But who in your family, what of your friends, who of your friends need to hear this? God has placed you where you're at, not out of happen chance. He's placed you there for a purpose. You have a responsibility to get this message into the hearts of people in your life who don't know Christ. That's our mission now, those of us who have placed our faith in Christ. Go ahead and stand. Let me close in prayer. I'll let you head on out into that beautiful, muggy... Thanking the Lord for the rain, though. So We needed that, right? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this morning, for the opportunity to, to praise you through many different ways, through fellowship, through service, uh, through singing, through giving financially, to hearing a message and now responding to it. And so, Lord, as we head on out today, and I know for some of us there's a tension because we know we need to share it with people in our family or friends, neighbors that we have, but we don't necessarily even like them. But we know they need to hear it. So, Lord, I pray that you would give them courage, that they would start out with prayer, and let you begin to work in those people's hearts and then watch what you're doing and have wisdom to know when to step in. Lord, I pray that we would see our church family continue to do and be a part of the work that you want to do in and through us and seeing people come to Christ, helping them grow in their faith, walking with them in the spiritual journey. And it will continue to impact Northwest Ohio and our country and even our world through what you've given us. And that is the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel message. In Christ's name, amen.